This is The Guardian. Hey, it's Laura Murphy-Oates here for the Full Story Summer Series, coming to you from Gadigal Land. As the sun sets each day, in many cities and towns across Australia, you might hear this sound. That screech belongs to the sulphur-crested cockatoo, the ones with the yellow mohawk. For an international team of scientists, the behaviour of these cockatoos in one particular area is the subject of study and wonder. Thanks, Laura. This is audio producer Krishna Lusriya, and together we're driving south. And Laura, safely five, three cars distance from Ella. <laughs> Always away from the dense suburbs of Sydney, through the bushland of the Royal National Park. And finally arriving at a small bushy beach town called Stanwell Park. It's an unbelievably beautiful part of the world. It's kind of a natural amphitheater with eucalyptus trees as far as the eye can see. And it's peaceful, except for one thing. They're scroungers. They're street smart. The bin raiders. They're quite a pest around here. They're so blatant and so brazen. Stanwell Park is ground zero for a standoff between bird and mankind in what some have termed an interspecies innovation arms race. As we walk up to the local cafe, immediately we can see cockatoos lining the veranda of the outside dining area. Can you just describe what you're seeing right now? What I'm seeing right now is two cockatoos staring down two customers so they can try and eat their food. They're about half a metre away yes. from the food, yes. just looking on. And they will literally, if you sit on your table with a plate of food, they will actually come up on the table and try and steal your food. The manager of the cafe says sometimes the cockatoos just aren't satisfied with leftovers. There's been times I've been making coffee and they pretty much fly up to the window and steal all the cakes and stuff from the coffee area. So this is Show a me cookie how they jar. They fly on here and they literally pick this up with their beak, drop this and get into the cookie jar. As we walk out, we see cockatoos swarming around the bins outside. So we've got three cockatoos surrounding the bin. They've managed to get out a packet of chips, possibly. Eight, nine, there's more and more coming. Oh, one just flew over my shoulder. It is feeding time. Initially, we actually thought the bin was being raided by possums, because that's more normal. When Tom moved to the area last year with his partner and their newborn baby, didn't take long for the cockatoos to strike. And then we secured the bin with a bungee cord, which they chewed through. <laughs> and we thought, Jesus, there's some mutant possums on our hands. Um, they're not thin, those straps. No, no, they're about sort of the width of my finger. Uh, so they went straight through that. And then it was our, my neighbour uh, next door. She was like, oh, it's not possums, it's, it's the cockatoos. Uh, so every, every Monday morning, you'll see like rubbish strewn all over the street. And Tom isn't alone in trying to outsmart the cockatoos. 
I had to get a big bin now with a big lock on it um, and a big bolt, like a bar across it so they can't physically lift it. And I'm not going to lie, I squirt them with water, in a water bottle, yeah, to deter them, yeah. Yeah, you know, people use you know, just bits of rope. I just used leg rope because I had, you know, half a dozen broken leg ropes in the garage. So. Yeah. We just grab long sticks that have fallen off the trees and we just slot them in between the handle and the, and the lid. Yeah. Some people put um, water bottles, like they zip tie water bottles to the handles. Yeah. Um, some people have doormats that sit on top that are screwed to the top. Other people put weights in the lid there's <laughs> all sorts of clever ways uh, for people to secure them. Is there a best way? Uh, whatever stops the lid from being opened, really. But sometimes the cockatoos fight back. In the shopping centre where they have the garbage tins, they used to put bricks on them, but they got rid of those they push bricks. The bricks they off. push the bricks off. So That's people right. are trying to outsmart them and then they yeah. outsmart the humans. Yeah. To find out just how long this standoff between humans and cockatoos have been going on, I wanted to speak to someone who lived in the area a long time. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, who's this guy? Is this, this, this is Zoki. Can I give you a pat? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He loves a pat. Come on, come on. Mark, this is Krishwell. Hi, Krishwell. Hi. Come on, come on, come down. Oh, hi, I'm Mark Northwood. <laughs> I live in Stanwell Park. I've been here for 45 years. Mark is actually my dad's friend from high school. They used to go surfing together in the 60s. I take him out in big surf. <laughs> At what age? Oh, our silly age, you know, when you're 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. <laughs> Since Mark moved here with his family, he's been observing the cockatoos closely. My office window looks straight out on the street and in, in during the, when the bins are out, the cockies, I had a great view. You know, the cockies just come down and sit on the lid of the bin and sort of start heaving and hoeing away at it, trying to get the lid up. Over time, he suspected they were learning. First, they tried to open the bins by themselves. And then they started working in teams. Yeah, they're holding onto the side of the bin with their claws and then they get their head down with their beaks and grab hold of the lid and just flip it up. <laughs> And they do it in unison because there'd be, you know, there'd be two on either side and they'd, they'd both go down together, all four of them, and then woof, up she go. Yeah. And then next next uh, extent to that was because then they'd, they'd just literally get in and rip everything out of the bin and it'd be everywhere, all over the street. If you had a decent wind, it'd be, you know, <laughs> just get blown everywhere. What's the worst kind of rubbish for a cockatoo to spread in the neighbourhood? Well... The neighbour down the road here used to put her um, nappies in the in the bin, <laughs> soiled nappies, <laughs> and they used to pull them out and they'd, they'd be flopping around all over the street and they'd rip them apart as well, but oh. just because I don't know why, no. I don't know what they, I don't know what they were after. Next, the cockatoos started to outsmart the humans. Well, what then evolved was that people started to put rocks or bricks on their lids. Well, that foiled them for a while. They couldn't lift the lid. They tried and tried, but they couldn't lift the lid up. Yeah. Eventually, I don't know whether how it happened by accident or whatever, but eventually one of them got the idea of giving it a, a headbutt and they literally learnt how to push the rocks off the lid. I actually tried to take footage of it. There used to be a show on TV called Funniest Home Videos. And I, I was trying to get footage of this to send in as, as a clip for Funniest Home Videos. 
Would it be minutes or would it be over an hour of footage of cockatoos? Do you think? All up. Oh, hard to say. I really wouldn't know. Yeah. You know, it'd be more, more, a lot more than minutes. Yeah, probably <laughs> could be. You know, like I've, I did a lot of filming just, just trying to get the right sequences. You know. Yeah. yeah. You are kind of like the original cockatoo documentary person. Yeah. Steve Irwin of cockatoos. Yeah, I was just trying to capture the comical side though. <laughs> I was nothing scientific about it. <laughs> Next, the science behind the bin diving cockatoos. Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here with a quick note about The Guardian. As you're probably aware, Guardian Australia's journalism is editorially independent, meaning we set our own agenda. We don't have a billionaire owner, nor do we answer to shareholders, so we're free from commercial bias. And this independence matters because it means we're able to challenge the powerful and hold them to account. Unlike many news organisations, we have not put up a paywall. We chose a model that means our reporting is open to everyone and funded by our readers who can afford to pay. Every contribution, whether big or small, counts. If you're able to contribute and have a minute, head to theguardian.com forward slash support full story. We've also linked to this on the full story page. Thanks. So, Donna, I've been in Stanwell Park talking to locals who... You know, some feel they're being terrorised by cockatoos. I saw cockatoos opening a bin themselves as well. You have been looking into this and speaking to researchers who are looking into this. Tell me about that. Well, I guess the behaviour is difficult not to notice. Donna Liu is a science writer at Guardian Australia. And it definitely caught the eye of people in the scientific community, including um, a researcher by the name of Dr. Richard Major from the Australian Museum. And he just so happens to study the effects of urbanisation on birds. And essentially what Dr. Major wanted to know was whether this was normal behaviour, because we know that in other birds with similarly, I guess, what we would call destructive behaviours, they don't do this. Mm. And what he ended up doing was teaming up with a group of Australian and German ecologists, and they basically put out a call out for Australians to report sightings of cockatoos opening bin lids. And they set up an online form, anyone could submit a sighting, and they called this the Clever Cocky Project. And you can search for this online using a hashtag. And following the survey, what they did was um, mark hundreds of cockatoos with little coloured paint dots so they could actually observe and identify these birds firsthand. And they eventually published their findings in the journal Science, which is quite a prestigious publication. Right. So you've got kind of citizen scientists and then a professional team of Australian and international scientists looking at this bin diving phenomenon. What did they find? They, they made quite a few fascinating discoveries. What they still don't know for certain is how the behaviour actually started. But what the researchers do know is that cockatoos don't just open every bin in sight. They can actually tell which bins might have food depending on the colour. So researchers observed this. They, they counted um, the number of bins that the, these cockatoos were opening and they found that 88.8% of the time the birds were opening the red-lidded general waste bins, so the ones that are more likely to have food scraps. And what they also discovered was that over two years, the bin diving spread from just a couple of suburbs to dozens of suburbs around Sydney. So why was this 
bin raiding behaviour spreading to so many suburbs so quickly. So the fascinating thing is actually the cockatoos seem to be learning um, the behaviour from each other. They're not migrating to other suburbs. It's actually just spreading geographically. Mm. So what would happen is that one cockatoo would see another bin diving and then try it themselves and then another cockatoo would see it and so on and so forth. And the lead researcher on this project, Dr. Barbara Klump, who is an ecologist based in Germany, um, she says the reason they think the cockatoos were learning by observing others rather than just figuring it out on their own is because the behaviour seemed to spread more quickly to neighbouring areas um, than to suburbs further away. Right, so you see this ripple effect trickling out from one point on a map over time where more and more birds are learning it from each other. Exactly. And the researchers saw different techniques being used by cockatoos in different suburbs across Sydney. So one suburb would have a particular style and the next a slightly different style. There's also some evidence that similar behaviour is occurring in other states like Victoria, um, but more research is needed into just how widely this this kind of behaviour is occurring. Mm. So when I was in kind of the epicentre of the bin diving in Stanwell Park, I spoke to a couple of locals who had tried to outsmart the cockatoos with varying degrees of success. They were chewing through hockey straps and and pushing bricks off bins. How common is this one-upmanship between humans and birds? The research team really wanted to look at this following their initial study uh, and, and what they did was conduct a bin census. Essentially, they looked at it's like 3,300 uh, bins across four Sydney suburbs to see what people were doing. And what they found was that people were using all kinds of cockatoo deterrents, um, as you mentioned, and, and the most basic of these was using a brick or another heavy item to weigh down a lid. Um, but the issue was that the cockatoos then learned um, to get around that behaviour. And the the researchers consider this bin standoff to be a kind of quote-unquote innovation arms race uh, because it involves learned behavioural change in, in both species, you know, in humans and in the sulphur-crested cockatoos. What, what do you mean by that? The birds are adapting their behaviour, but so are the humans. And, and this one-upmanship kind of keeps escalating to try and outsmart each other. So Donna, this behaviour from the cockatoos is pretty complex. How smart are cockatoos? Well, they're a super clever bird, really. And some experts think that they're about equivalent in intelligence to a two-year-old human. Mm. Um, they, For their, their size, they have a really large brain um, and they're also really social creatures. Um, and that means that we often see them adapting in these unusual ways to human environments. Um we, we know that cockatoos are capable of using tools. Um, they have been spotted in Western Sydney, for example, drinking from public bubbler taps. Even with the bin diving, it's not just, you know, swinging a bin lid open. It's, it would be like the human equivalent of swinging open something that is, I don't know, maybe twice or three times your size, mm. right? And the other thing that we know about cockatoos is that they can um, dance in time to music and um, not very many species that aren't humans have this ability. Mm. I feel like every year during the Guardian's Bird of the Year poll, we do get a flood of naughty cockatoo stories. I remember there was one about a cockatoo who would drop someone's shoes off their veranda when it didn't get fed, just one at a time, looking them straight in the eye. It was kind of like an act of defiance. Defiance. Have you heard stories like this? 
Actually, I think just this week I watched a video of a cockatoo. I think it was pushing pot plants off a balcony in an apartment building and it seems like it's, you know, doing this kind of thing to be deliberately, um, you know, to be a deliberate troublemaker. He's not happy. Oh, look, here comes another one. I mean, is it deliberate though, Donna? I mean, if they're as smart as toddlers, are these toddler tantrums? I think... One of the things we have to be careful about when we think about animal behaviour is projecting, right? That we we want to anthropomorphise um, and interpret their behaviour in a way that makes sense to us as humans. One of the researchers, Dr. John Martin, has said that cockatoo behaviour isn't innately naughty because that would suggest that the, the bird has some kind of a, a human moral compass. Mm. Um, and then he points out that, you know, these are wild birds that are behaving naturally and it's just that they're not in the bush. And that behaviour that we see that we think of as disruptive um, or menacing perhaps shows that they're just being exploratory and inquisitive. Mm. I'm interested in what role humans have to play in all this because we know that with some birds like the ibis, commonly referred to as the bin chicken, they do eat our rubbish because we have destroyed the marshlands where they once lived and and ate. Are humans responsible for the bin diving? Have we actually inflicted this on the cockatoos? I think when it comes to any interactions between humans and uh, wildlife, I think we are always somewhat responsible. (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's obviously we've changed their habitats at, at huge scale and the cockatoos themselves just so happen to have adapted really well to urban landscapes. And Dr. Martin has pointed out that, you know, if cockatoos weren't tolerant of roads and noise and buildings, then they wouldn't be here. So they're kind of taking advantage of a bad situation, possibly. They're making the best of what, what they can, yeah. Is there an end in sight to this interspecies arms race? I don't know where it ends, actually. I guess it just depends on how much smarter the cockatoos can behave. Um, The birds have had to adapt to coexist with us, so I guess it's now our turn to have to adapt to coexist with them. I'm impressed with them. I think they're they're amazing, just the fact that the antics they get up to. And if you ever watch them fly, they're just the most amazing aerobatics. They'll come hooting along through the trees here, turn at 90 degrees and spin up, and then another one will come through. And they're just they're just so manoeuvrable and so impressive when they fly. But uh, they can be noisy, but I don't think that's ever a real issue for us at all. It's more to do with the cleverness and the ingenuity of it is sort of just impresses me. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who spoke to me for this episode with special mention to Mark Northwood and the Boston Brew Co. Cafe in Stanwell Park. If you want to learn more about the bin diving cockatoos, we've linked to some of Donna Lou's reporting on the Full Story page, including her latest piece called Interspecies Innovation Arms Race, Cockatoos and Humans at War Over Wheelie Bin Raids. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and Camilla Hannon, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producer for this episode is me, Laura Mephiotes. Okay, thanks for listening.